Who thought that was a good idea? Menachem Golan. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. listeners to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and as always, I am joined by... Wendy. And we are here on episode 100. We have made it. What? Yeah! yeah. 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 <laughs> and we are here with, first of all, Pat Harrigan, the fabulous... Hi! Yay, Pat's back! Yay. I am, I'm back! And also returning guest, Eric Knight. Hi! I'm Eric. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> and there was an additional cheer from Fess who was walking through the room. So, uh, yay! We're yay. all here! Gang's all here. Oh, trouble. <laughs> so, two two years of this podcast. Good God, how did our livers survive? Uh, that is a valid question. <laughs> so, so, Wendy, what are we drinking tonight? I'm actually drinking a lovely Two Gingers cocktail. Nice! Um, mm. So, I've got some Two Gingers brand ginger ale. That's a thing. And I have that with some two gingers whiskey. And I actually also put a splash of lemon juice in there, which kind of brightened it up nicely. And this was me attempting to drink less tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well done. Wendy, so two gingers, is that available down in Texas or did you bring it down from Minnesota? No, it's it's totally available down here. Matter of fact, it is like... More so, uh, things may have changed in the intervening months since I moved, Mm -hmm. but I have much more luck getting two gingers down here. It's definitely available in the liquor stores, but I actually can find it at bars. Boy, Kieran really is polluting the country, isn't he? Fascinating, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Which makes me happy. At the very least, when I ask for it, even if they don't have it, the bartender doesn't look at me like I'm crazy. They're usually like, yeah, it's good stuff. No, we don't have it. (laughs) Oh, that's good for them. Yeah. yeah, they only introduced that a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah, Karen yeah. had to sell his bars so he could become a distiller. Huh? Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't own Kieran's or the local wow. or anything anymore. That's I did not realize that. Yeah. No, he's a huh. full-time distiller now, as far as I'm aware. So I think cool. this is a perfect launch pad to just forget about movies and talk all about booze for the rest of the. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get to that. I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> it will. Well, somebody pass along my thanks to Kieran because he has made my favorite whiskey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I'll just have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, bear in mind, favorite in that the whiskey I drink most often. That's fair. Hmm. You're, you're I'm not go-to. saying it is the best whiskey I drink. Yeah. I am saying it is the whiskey that is my favorite. Like, if, I, if I'm going to drink whiskey... Uh, it's easily accessible, it's not too expensive, and it doesn't kill me in the morning. <laughs> Fair enough. It's that yeah. good, you know, mid-level-ish that, you know, it's not rot gut, but it's not going to be terribly expensive. Right. Sure. Exactly. Yep. yep. All right. So meanwhile, we have a few bottles here. Um, I did have a few sips of alcohol tonight, um, meaning a few sips. I have been 
tasting because uh, Pat brought over a lovely red wine that I'd never had before. So I'm... It's, uh, I hadn't had it either. My wife picked it out. It's called Ali. It's a Sangiovese. And it's uh, red, obviously. So we've <laughs> got an Italian wine, and that, that's all I got to say about it. I've, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. And I don't have the vocabulary to describe wine. It, it is highly drinkable. It was Yeah, I tried a little bit of it. Um, I thought it was on the drier side, but mm-hmm. not in a harsh way, like a very drinkable dry red yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's sucking the salt out of your face or anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's probably better with a meal, but uh... <laughs> it could be. And then, um, and then because I have not been drinking as much wine generally as well, I stopped and I picked up a beer, which is Lost Trout Brown Ale from Third Street Brewing, uh, which is a local Minnesota brewery, um, which is, I'm a big fan of brown ales, and this is mm-hmm. one that I like quite a bit. So yeah, this is, that's some good stuff there. I've had it before. Yeah, yeah, very tasty. All right. So we are we are well underway, uh-huh. <laughs> and we should probably tell the the viewers not that they're viewing this, the listeners, what we're going to be discussing. I'm sure they're intently staring at their phone or or iPod <laughs> while listening to us, trying to picture what we're looking like when that's we. That's how I listen to podcasts. Yeah. I do. I do. It yeah. Is, it is actually yeah. It, it, especially when I know like the the environment that people record in, <laughs> that is how I picture them. So whenever I listen to Get Off My World, I picture Pat's apartment and his couch. People listen to Get Off My World. I actually <laughs> didn't know offhand that that's where you recorded. I it, it didn't happen to know. Yeah, it's my couch. I, Th- all right, that's where <laughs> we recorded. So I assume that's where they always record because I get to do that in my brain. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> that or the dining room table. Yeah, yeah. no, I listen nice. to podcasts. I'm like, what are they wearing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I always picture you naked, Pat, so well, I don't have that quandary. Well, you don't need to picture me right now because I'm sitting here naked right in front of There's you. that, yes. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty interesting in the Minnesota studios. <laughs> um, true fact, Melissa, yes. when I picture you, I still picture you at the other house in Robbinsdale. I have not transferred my mental map to your new house. Have you been so, here? Yeah, yeah, oh. she has. So you've been oh, here, yeah. but you've done so much at the other place that that's still the imprint. Yeah, I'm, I've... I've slept off a booze night at Melissa's new house, in fact. I slept on her couch after um, the Sethel... Sethel uh, <laughs> No, the, the Sethel bachelor party. Oh, yes. I slept on her couch because I wasn't going to make it home. Um, <laughs> especially since home was in Texas. Uh, yeah, but so when we got done watching the movie and it was like, oh, she's got to set up. They've got to move to the basement. No, no, they don't have to do that now. Hmm. <laughs> Gotta fix that. Anyway, uh, listeners, tonight's 100th episode, Melissa and I went back and forth. We're like, we got to do something special for 100. As we all know, our 50th episode was, of course, Xanadu. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. We're like, well, what do we want to talk about? It's got to be something that can even remotely, you know, measure up to Xanadu. We went in a slightly different direction, <laughs> but still an awesome direction. I think there's at least as much glitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, the DNA, there's there's some DNA connections there. Listeners, <laughs> we're going to talk to you about The Apple. Yeah. <laughs> A movie that's oh, yeah. worse but more entertaining. Yes. <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> I, I'm conflicted in agreeing with you. <laughs> Ooh, oh, no. I am impressed that you said that, actually. Those I mean, <laughs> I wasn't just trying to bait you, Wendy. I, was, I actually believe what I said, but I didn't think you would agree. 
So that's, uh, that, I'm impressed. Uh, I, I love Xanadu, but and you're wrong. There, but that's there okay. Is such a, there is such a holy shit factor to the apple that Xanadu just doesn't have. I mean, Xanadu does have it. Like when they the whole. The, the whole animated sequence. I love oh, yeah. watching people watch that sequence for the first time because their face just gets so wonderfully confused. Is they're like, wait, what? Why are? They, why is he a bird now? I don't understand. Um, <laughs> the apple takes it fifty thousand steps farther, though, so it's just so great. Yeah, the the only thing the apple doesn't have is an animated sequence, and I think that's the only thing it mm. doesn't have because it has everything else on the planet. I feel like some of those people practically are cartoons. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's almost animation when the car at the end. Oh, spoilers! The flying, oh! the flying transparent car <laughs> is borderline animation. That's I think true. if any listener wants to animate a sequence of this movie and uh-huh. email it to us, uh, we yeah. would put it up on the website, right? Uh, yes, yes, oh, we would. Fuck yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a bold statement for someone who's only a guest, but I think they'll go with you, Pat. I feel comfortable here. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's sure. right. <laughs> yes. So, so essentially, we went with Wendy's favorite movie, Xanadu, for the 50th, and now for 100, I get one of my dearest favorites. <laughs> and I do legitimately, absolutely adore the Apple to the point where I am at some point going to get a tattoo of a BIM mark. Yay. I love you. Yes. Where? <laughs> On my foot. Anywhere she likes. Okay. Because I have. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Anywhere I wish to wear it. But no, I've got uh, on my left foot, I have a triangle oh, yeah. tattoo from Fantastic Fest from one year. Mm. And so a triangle tattoo on the other foot would mm. kind of match it. So yeah. I think a BIM mark. Yes. So matching foot tattoos. Can they tattoo the holographic effect? <laughs> yeah. The iridescence? No, but I can throw glitter on it every day. That's fair. And, and I probably would do that. Well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every day or just for special occasions? Maybe just for special occasions. Because, oh God, glitter. (laughs) There was so much glitter in this movie. Okay, so dear listeners, if you are not familiar with the movie The Apple, um, don't feel bad because it... Yeah, just sort of an overview so they have some context. Yeah, because because this is kind of a a movie that has gotten a little bit of a resurgence over the last couple years. Like, um, I think Patton Oswalt discovered it or, you know, amongst the many bad movies that he... uh, uh, adores and it kind of got a little boost from that. But otherwise, it's, it's kind of a bad movie connoisseur film but it's a um it came out in 1980 it was released by canon films all hail canon films um (laughs) and actually directed by menachem golan of golan globus and it is a a disco musical adaptation of faust Garden of Eden. Garden and Garden of Eden sort of smashed together. I wouldn't together. call it yeah. disco, though. This really yeah. is early 80s synth pop. Yeah. Mm, it's well, late, dis- late disco I... era, though. There's at least one song that jumped out at me as very disco era. I, I, yeah. we'll, we'll I, get I'm, there. With, I'm with Eric on this one. It's, it, the distinction was a little Jesuitical, but, uh, <laughs> but I... <laughs> But I think it falls on the disco side, at least yeah. for, for me. Yeah, this is this is totally. God damn it, I love you, Pat. Tail end of disco, <laughs> which which may be part of why the audience has rejected oh, this film so thoroughly. Oh, a- a- aside from the part where it's absolute madness. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want to? Should, should we do an overview? I of- just rewatched The Martian where he complains about disco and there's a lot of disco that plays his background music. And so I'm sorry, it's just not as disco as disco. No, you're right. It is like if space aliens had watched disco and the early eighties, space aliens and, and 
mashed this thing together. <laughs> At, that's about what, or, you know, Menachem Golan, who was Israeli and yes, an, was kind of a... looking at American culture through that those eyes. So and, what's so fascinating is here's this guy who wants to make a cautionary tale about, you know, the devil. And um, there's so many homosexuals in this movie. Oh, my God. Well, 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 well here's I, – I, actually, Pat was trying to interject something here. No, it's fine. I, uh one of the reasons I think of it as such a disco film is because it has all of the uh, the gender signifiers of yes. it. It's so well the, oh, the yeah. multicultural and LGBT stuff going on, which was one and, of the um, very transsexual. Transsexual. Very. Um, obviously, we've got Rocky Horror in the background there pretty strongly, mm-hmm. but I think disco was resisted so strongly by a big segment of American culture because of all of these things, because it was. Um, gender fluid uh, because of you know, black people and white people on the dance floor doing all these things. And so regardless of whatever tacky music, uh, yeah. whatever the varying quality of the music might be, it was also resisted on a cultural level. And here I think that's in the that's in the semiotics of this movie too. Oh, There's yeah. The, oh, yeah. The, that's the, nicely they're said. They're evil yeah. because they're, they're kind of gay, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. gay people. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. gay people and, and people What's in drag. What's that quote and... from South Park, Eric? Oh, God, I don't have it memorized anymore. It was that Aww. whole, man, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that you remember that I had that. that. That whole, in the first six episodes of South Park, there was the one about the, the gay thing and, and that quote from Mr. Garrison about gay people are evil. Evil right down to their cold black hearts, which pump not blood like yours and mine. But it, like, And I don't remember where it goes from there, but it was just like, and I, I thought it was so hilarious that I memorized it. Oh, God. And yes, for years, could quote it word for word. Um, and it's, yeah, just because it was so like silly and over the top and coming from Mr. Garrison, who was a character who came across as very kind of, you know, soft-spoken and effeminate. Closeted. Yeah. And then he said that, you know, this, this horrible closeted shit, because that's what happens a lot of the time. So anyway. Yeah. And we're still <laughs> seeing that 20 freaking years after South Park. It's amazing. It's better. But yes, we're still seeing yeah. it. And I know. I know. But anyway. The, yeah. Anyway, we yeah. don't need to go down the self-loathing uh, yeah. conversation too much. People know. but Yeah. So we can pull back and we can anyway. talk a little bit more about the context of how this movie got made. Because Menahem Golan, Golan Globus, if you people are not familiar with Canon Films, you should be because it's amazing. <laughs> because <laughs> Canon Films uh, was formed by Golan Globus. I think they were cousins. They were from Israel. And they loved movies. They adored movies. Like, even when they were uh, producers of movies, all they would talk about is movies. Because they, if they had spare time, they would go to the movies. They just ate and drank and slept movies. And uh, so they formed Canon Films. And pretty much they just liked to throw money at movies and without really caring about the quality that came out. Um it, they they just liked selling stuff to investors and you know making the movies afterwards and then crank, just cranking them out. So you you got a ton of crazy stuff in the eighties coming out of Canon Films and you know the Apple being one of the bizarre horrible delights, <laughs> crowning <laughs> achievement, a crowning <laughs> achievement of sorts. I mean it, they also came out with some pretty awesome stuff as well and of course none of it's leaping to mind right now all i can think of is like delta force and most of uh, chuck norris's career but they had at uh, least a couple of 80s films with uh charles bronson i think too yeah didn't they yeah a couple of his oh, crime oh god death and... wish 2 and death wish 3 they took over they the death those. wish okay. Uh, okay yeah franchise yeah. and those are 
bonkers and like kind of antithetical to the original Death Wish. But hey, Charles Bronson got a paycheck. And um, they, they had some connection to Superman too. Yeah, they had a bit of really? connection to Superman too. They took over at three uh, or four, which is oh. why they went just <gasps> batshit. Oh, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Holy it's crap! Nuts. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, uh, dear listeners, there is. I I've plugged it many times before on this podcast. There is a fantastic documentary about canon films on Netflix right now called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films, and it is a gold mine. Wow. Um, they interviewed like 90 people for this oral history of what happened with canon films from start to end. And uh, it's it's nuts. And there's a very small portion of, uh, in it about the Apple. And it's mm-hmm. only small because there were so many other crazy things that came out of this studio. Yeah. Okay, oh, I, I have, I have the a happy list hooker, here. The Happy Hooker movies. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, New Year's Evil. Break Into, Electric Boogaloo, yeah. Masters of the Universe. Yep. Missing in Action. Yeah. Uh, Blood Sport. <laughs> Dash with three and four. Um, Death Wish, pardon me. Uh, Delta Force. American Ninja. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Man. Invasion USA. Mm-hmm. Tons of Chuck Norris. Cobra. Yeah. Oh, my God. Over the Top. Oh, yeah. poor Stallone. I oh, think uh, King, Bolero. King Solomon's Mines was one of them, I think. Life Force. Yeah, Life Force oh, is one of my sure. favorites. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really great yep, film. Yeah. King Solomon's Mine. Jesus, oh, shit, there's fun. so many of them. Yeah, they were just cranking the damn things out. <laughs> oh my but, god, but Street this, Night? But, you know, Delta usually Golem, Golem and Globus were just throwing money at projects, whereas... The, whereas oh. the Apple comes straight from the source. It is directed by Merchem Golan himself. <laughs> and a 1986 version of Otello with Placido Domingo, directed by Franco Zeffirelli. Yes, yeah, wow. they they interview they 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 got an interview with Seferelli in the in the documentary too, and he was Man. like, they were the best people I ever worked with. Wow, <laughs> pretty, pretty much because wow. they just threw money at him and they threw threw money and said make the film, make and then film. he did what he wanted. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so the Apple is is 1980. It is yeah, 1980. It was shot in. I, I was reading up a little bit on it. It was shot in Germany in late 1979, mm-hmm. like fall of 1979. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's this, I don't know, I don't know what I, I, I wanted to, I personally want to delve into specifics unless you guys have the other overview stuff to say, by all means, go for it. Should we do a quick overview like, of the plot and just like. Well, we, well, we could, we could um, pause here and, and say, how did we oh, yeah, find yeah, yeah, this yeah, thing? That's right. You said mm-hmm. that before. Yeah. Sorry. So first of all, dear listeners, right now you can find it on Amazon Instant, right? That's about the only place it's playing right yeah, now. Yeah, it's not on Netflix. It is yeah. not on Hulu. I checked. Yeah, it's been on Netflix before, so it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is on Amazon Instant right now, so you can see it. So, um, first of all, Wendy, where did you see it? Uh, I think I might be the last one to have seen it of the four of us. Oh, okay. I feel like you showed it to me, Melissa. I may have. <laughs> I I think this was... You educating me at some point because I remember years ago at Convergence, mm-hmm. Eric being like, "We're showing the Apple because it was huge at Convergence that yeah. year. We're showing the Apple, Wendy. You've got to see this movie. This movie is totally in your wheelhouse." And I just I don't get to movies at Convergence that often. I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta bear that in mind. But I know eventually I saw it. I don't remember the specifics oddly enough because the movie itself took over all of those brain cells yeah. and wiped the context. 
clean out. It was just movie. Nothing nothing else around it. I don't remember where I was. I just remember that my eyeballs were watching the apple. <laughs> and uh, working backwards on this thread, if I showed it to you, Kelvin showed it to me because uh, I missed it at Convergence too. Okay. And um, so it was one of our New Year's Eve movie nights because uh, okay. that is the tradition. I watch movies with Kelvin on New Year's Eve every yeah. year. And um, he... He put the apple on and um, it's insane and I adored it. And then for like the last scene, just before the car comes down from heaven, he turns around and just starts watching me watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> Quite obviously. Not, not, not surreptitiously looking out of the side no, he was like, uh, uh, side eye. Oh, yeah, no, he hilarious. would just turn around and watch Melissa watch the movie. That's great. Because... <laughs> Because when the gold Cadillac came out of the sky, that is when <laughs> my brain broke. <laughs> well, one of the many times my brain broke, but it, it like just stopped dead right yeah. there. <laughs> so, so Pat uh, and Eric. So uh, I'll start and then you can. Yeah. I, I had read about this movie many, many years ago when I was haunting the B-movie sites on the web a lot. I'm pretty sure it was at Jabudu.com, if you know that. It's still around. He used to write these enormously long reviews, like very, very long, 50,000 reviews, things like that. And so I'd skim some of them or whatever. I didn't read all of them, but um, uh, this was a constant touchstone for him. And I didn't probably pay too much attention at the time but when uh eric and the rest of the cinema rex crew as you'll describe started to show it uh, at convergence a convention we all go to well you can take it from there well so i had not seen the film but john uh one of the other main co-heads of cinema rex uh had somewhere i'm not even sure where i don't i don't recall but he had seen it and said, oh my God, we need to show this in Cinema Rex because it's hilarious. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's screwball. And he got a copy, a hold of a copy of it. And I watched about half of it and it was enough to say, yeah, let's show it. So, you know, we showed it that year in Cinema Rex at Convergence, which was 2009. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I, I remember that because I'd only seen half the film and I ended up working that shift on Saturday night. I remember the second half of the film, I was just marveling at how crazy and crazy it continued to get uh, <laughs> right on down to the whole deus ex machina at the end. And I was just like, holy shit, this is this is insane. And then we ended up reshowing it the following night for the Dead Dog movie because it got a whole bunch of votes. And mm-hmm. like, all right, cool, because we knew that it would go over. I mean, it was a great choice for a reshow because it would go over well. People are fried at the end of the convention they're going to be engaged by something this crazy. Yeah. You know, um, and that, and it worked. One of the best movie going experiences of my life. I say that uh, without exaggeration was that first showing of the apple at cinema Rex. Cause I had not wow. seen it. I'd only heard it by reputation. And the wonderful thing about this movie is that it starts crazy and it escalates and it keeps up that escalation for <laughs> considerable. Like most of the film. Yeah. yeah. So the room was packed. Um, and there was a, a sizable contingent of people that like their minds were, Ah, this is ridiculous. This is horrifying, and they just laughed. Right, and so, but then uh, by the end of the movie, they had been replaced by people, by more people been, coming in to watch been it. Been attracted from hearing yeah. it out in the hallway. And you, and you yeah. weren't working that shift. No, I was in the you audience. Just, you just hung out and watched it. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you do, uh, you are one of our, you know, recurring Cinemarex helpers. And I think it's always really cool when somebody who <laughs> signs up for several shifts in Cinemarex also just wants to sit down and watch a movie. Absolutely, you know, and you know that that's that's fun to me. That 
with all the other things going on, those of us who work so many shifts can still just get pulled into seeing a particular film in and of itself. Oh, yeah. you know. And there was never any question but that I was going to vote for it for The Dead Dog and then see it again <laughs> at The Dead Dog. Uh, it was nearly as entertaining the second time. Through. Yeah. And, and if I remember right, somebody made BIM marks, right? That was Nathan the following year. the following year. Oh, the following year. Yeah. following year. Yeah, he, oh, and boy, he put a lot of work into it. This is our friend Nathan. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was rooming with him. I was rooming with him that year. And he mm-hmm. put like several hours worth of work into cutting iridescent... Uh, sheets of paper, multicolored iridescent sheets of paper into triangles. Why, then, why did it take him that long? He was doing it by hand. I know, but you know, he made like thousands of them. Thousands of them? Yeah. Huge numbers of them. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's amazing. Well, I mean, you know, Nathan, he's just going to go totally oh bananas. God, on I had no idea. Stuff. I thought he made so, like a few dozen. <laughs> no, no. It, well, I don't know. Maybe, oh maybe thousands is an exaggeration. Okay, but, but certainly but hundreds. Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was in, you know, oh my God. a good part of an afternoon that he was in the hotel room clipping, <laughs> a, clipping away at him. It's crazy. Um, and so wow. then. We distributed them. He yes. he gave them to people to go yeah. around to the con and like, oh, you want a BIM marker or whatever. And so by the end of the <laughs> evening, it's like, oh, everybody's got one. Mark. I got one. Yes, I BIMed you, yeah. Wendy. You did. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, do you want a BIM marker? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want a BIM marker. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Who doesn't want a oh, BIM marker? I'm sorry. I would gladly join the Devil's Army. Right. Yeah. Well, the right. comparison oh, sure. between the God group and the Devil's group, I feel like does a really bad job of selling God like you're going to be a homeless person living under a bridge. Or you could have sweet, sweet shoulder pads, sequins, <laughs> and some awesome alcohol and fucked up parties. And, yeah. and other mm-hmm. drugs. So I'm going to go for B. <laughs> oh, yeah. I admit it. I admit it. I, I would oh, go. Man. Hmm, yeah, it, and and actually, we came, it was it was uh, a strong contender to be reshown this last year at Convergence, because the theme was dystopia, mm-hmm. and yeah. there is a strong dystopian, oh, yeah. you know, thread. But we just, in typical fashion, there are so many movies to be shown in and to fit a theme like that that it didn't it didn't make the cut compared to some other things that we've never shown before, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, that was it's 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 amazing. It's yeah. so much fun to watch, um, and it's <laughs> it's it's great when a film is that bad and that much fun at the oh, same yes. time. Yeah, because usually when you have just bad movies, um, they're poorly paced. They're not interesting yeah. to watch. They're just boring. But this, this is, is actually really well made. Yeah, it just was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, now, it's actually edited pretty well. The yeah. pacing is pretty solid. The um, I remember Melissa, you talking about this movie before I had seen it and you're like it starts amazing and then by the end of the movie they've just they're just shooting in a park because yeah. they've run out of budget <laughs> except you, that watching it it's mm-hmm. really the last 10 minutes that they just kind of give up but yeah you, you can kind of see the the money just hemorrhage from the film at some point it's just like Bleh. as i as i mentioned before uh we got windy on Mike from the remote location so to speak um <laughs> the the film they were apparently rewriting script stuff constantly every day um and some of that might have been driven by the money you know Mm -hmm. so oh we don't have that capability but they had designed cars and scooters and like their costumes are kind of amazeballs and uh, they got huge numbers of extras to learn all this choreography (laughs) like this it's not actually a poorly made film 
it just was never going to be good. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so, fu- fundamentally misconceived. Yes. Yeah. But so one, Wendy, so one of the things uh, that I read on the on the internet, and I don't know if you've read much recently, but apparently just in the last couple of years, the the choreographer for the Apple. Uh, Nigel Lithgow. Yes, because he's the main guy, one of the people behind uh, American Idol. And so you think you can dance, if I'm yes. not mistaken. I don't think it's American Idol, but definitely so you think was... you can dance. No, I, I, definitely... I think it was American Idol. I definitely saw I the saw reference that. to so you can think you can dance. I knew okay. he was in... But... I know that one's right. I don't, I don't, I know very little about American Idol. I'm not a huge fan of American Idol. I am yeah. a huge fan of So You Think You Can well, Dance. Well, sure, sure. But so he, I mean, but he, you know, has actually gone on record as basically saying, you know, I, I, it, the best thing about making that movie was when it was over because it was such a trial <laughs> of, you know, script, write, rewrites and all of this going day by day. But he was so proud of his choreography work that he thought he was going to win an Oscar for choreography. <laughs> yeah, you told me that story. <laughs> Which it was apparently not a thing. So, <laughs> and, I mean, and, he thought, and he thought he was going to beat uh, Fosse for all that jazz. To get an Oscar for our choreography, which is not something they gave out. So he was wrong on multiple levels. Uh, well, he is British. Like, what's he going to know about the Oscars? Um, but, 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 does, a, but, 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 Wendy, I did want to ask you your take on this. Okay. As a, as a dancer and choreographer, you're like, I'm no dancer. I'm no choreographer. I actually think that the choreography is not really very bad. I mean, there are some wacky choices. But overall, I don't think the choreography is like awful. I think it's one of the things that's stronger than a lot of other aspects of the film. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. I mean, what I was going to say is Melissa and I had a chat window open and there I have a lot of comments about the choreography. But for all that I can diss certain things that are happening and like Bald Dude was not, did not know his choreography. Right. Like Bald Dude, I can see you. You should be ashamed of yourself. Shame <laughs> on you, Bald Dude. But for all that, there are moments of like, actually, that's really like a lot of people will over choreograph. And so I'm always appreciative. Like there's a whole sequence where he's just got heads bobbing in time. Mm, And it's really effective, especially choreographing for film is a completely different medium. So there's actually for as much as you can pick it apart and go, that's that looks stupid. It's yeah. But when you look at the whole composition on the screen, it works. Uh, is there an over-reliance on jazz hands and what I call the Jane Fonda workout school of choreography? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but on the other hand, there are there are wonderful moments of that right there. That's a nice sequence. And that is really well put together. And that is nicely staged. And then, of course, there's the one comment I made. It's like, oh, my God, it's Bob Fosse meets square dancing. What the actual hell? He was, I can tell. One thing I can tell is this was a man who was struggling with these people can dance and those people can't and they're all in the number. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, one of my favorite moves is early on that uh, that dance sequence that happens at the first party that mm-hmm. they go to mm-hmm. where the in the background you see the couples walk by <laughs> like dragging the women <laughs> like dragging the limp women <laughs> and it's supposed to look i don't know sexy or something but mostly you can just tell the men are like fuck you're heavy and the women are like this is awkward but then like at the the beat you know the, the women raise their heads and put them back down <laughs> raise their heads and that, i love oh, that man. move so much <laughs> it's oh, so <God>. bonkers. 
Yeah, and they're crossing in the back, and it's like, hi, we're just adding background interest. That That is high comedy there. I love it. Oh, and of course, the orgy scene. Dear listeners, oh, the orgy there scene. is a choreographed... Actually, the orgy, orgy scene is one of the scenes where I'm like, this is actually really well-done choreography. Yeah. yeah. But that that entire scene... Well, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about coming, we'll so I'm sure. We, yeah. <laughs> so should we... Are we are we good to so we launch? Yeah, now? let's just let's just launch. Let's just start yeah. this thing. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. Well, it opens with that really pretty forgettable rock song. <laughs> so no, what by... are you talking about? B. I am. Yeah, yeah. B. Uh, I, I am. am. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Bibs on the, the way. Right. Yeah. Right at the beginning. <laughs> there oh, so... ain't no pride. There ain't no shame. There's only power. But the first four lines, this this actually blew me away because it's like they avoided an obvious rhyme because the first four lines, there ain't no good, there ain't no bad, mm-hmm. there ain't no happiness, there ain't no tears. Yeah. Like, how was it not sad <laughs> to rhyme with bad? Because like, they were artists. And I don't know whether to respect that yeah. or dislike it because they didn't go for the obvious rhyme. Um, and of course, the, it the shows art. some ambition. And what's and what's his name? What's the dude's character's name? The, the he looks like a low budget Roger Daltrey. Yeah, man, no, no, Rod Stewart. Yeah. Dandy, 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 and yeah. Pandy. Yeah. And okay, Pandy's Dandy my girlfriend. Pandy. Well, no, okay. his, his name is Fake Rod Stewart, and you are to refer to him as Fake Rod Stewart. <laughs> no, he looks a lot more like Roger Daltrey. <laughs> Roger Daltrey, okay, <laughs> way more like Roger. That Daltrey. is He's somewhere between the two of them, but he sounds more like Rod Stewart. Uh, mm. uh, he, do, he does actually sound more like Roger. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. But I, Melissa I'm going dubbed him that during the chat. I, I also thought Roger Dal- Roger Daltrey partly. So. <laughs> anyway. no, Roger, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, yes, on the looks, but the sound and the vibe. Yeah. I'm sorry. Roger Daltrey never had that skeezy vibe that Rod Stewart did. Oh, and Roger would never oh. wear what he wears here. Yeah. Rod, <laughs> Rod Stewart did. Rod, Rod Stewart was a whore. Yeah. <laughs> he would do whatever it took to make some money and get a pop song out. There's a lot of you know Brian May from Queen in him too. <laughs> oh there. yeah, I mean just yeah. just that it's just the period, just the yeah. look of yeah. the whole thing, the permed yeah. hair and the and the silver lame shirts. Ugh. Yeah, the guy's name is uh, Ellen Love, and after this, I think he quit acting. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he turned it, no, argue no, that he never started acting. This is a, ah. <laughs> but but he, he became a restaurateur. And he, his his restaurant was actually on one of Gordon Ramsay's show. Gordon Ramsay actually came in to try and please, save the restaurant. Oh, please uh, tell me the restaurant's called The Apple. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think a it was. Kitchen that was so great. It was in Brighton in, in the UK. But Oh, oh I must man. have seen that episode because huh. I watched yeah. all of Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go back. Yeah. Wow. Thank yeah. you for telling me that. You are yeah. welcome. This <laughs> evening is... It, it, it's a hundred percent as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, oh god. Um. So, so it, no. I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so it's a terrible song. Yeah. But <laughs> all of the fucking star filters. I love it just for that. I mean, one thing I love about seventies films is the fucking star filters, the and I have costumes. never seen any movie with more star filters in the opening scene. It just keeps going. The, the oh. costumes. Yeah, the, the costumes. costumes. <gasps> And the background, this it opens huge. Like you're like, I don't understand what's happening, but this is a genuine film. I mean, there's so many extras, and the set looks fantastic. And there's this whole production number happening, and then Mister Shake shows up, and you're like, 
I don't know who this guy is, but I love him. Yeah, Shake is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, there there are like acrylic guitars. There's tinfoil in the back wall. There, triangle there, shaped horn instruments. The the audience has their hair spray spray painted to look like the flag of Canada or something. Oh. Um, it's inexplicable. And guitars it, made out of lucite. Yes, so mm-hmm. much yes. colored hairspray. Oh, it's amazing. And the oh, shoulder pads. Like this movie is not. Here's another reason why it's not disco because the shoulder pads, the shoulder pads Mm -hmm. are 80s pads. Oh my God, they're super maxi pads. Mm -hmm. Damn. uh, And it also takes place in the distant future of 1994. Yeah, one of the things I absolutely love. (laughs) Which, which did you did you know did you read that? The original intent was 1984. Yes. Wow. Yes. To play off of 1984 and it being dystopian, but it was too soon, <laughs> only being four to five years away when they were making it, so they had to change it 10 whole years oh, further no. into the far-flung future. Wow. Wait, yep. did, so did, did, Man, did Menachem really think the world was going to end that quickly? Because I really do feel like he believed this shit. Like the devil was on Earth, and God was going to come take us away soon. I don't. Well, well, he didn't write the original script. The original script was written in Hebrew by I think a husband and wife team. It was, and it was written as a stage show, but nobody could afford to put it on. And so (laughs) Menachem uh, bought the script and then heavily rewrote it, and that's (laughs) this is what happened. And and actually, the original opening scene was something they tried to film and it failed utterly. And the original the the original opening scene. Yeah, yeah, I was reading about this. Yeah, it was supposed to come before the the big dance number that it opens with now. Um, It was like God creating the universe. And and it was this whole song and dance sequence that actually puts the gold Cadillac at the end in context. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait. Here it is from, wait, here it is from IMDb. Yeah, and and from, and, and, but the thing is, like, a tiger got loose on set. Yeah, let me read this. Yes, okay. go for it. <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Tops creates the world. So he actually is, he doesn't just randomly appear at the end mm-hmm. originally. He sings the song Creation and brings various creatures, including Alfie, to life. Mm-hmm. And he sings a song with Mr. Bugalo, who ultimately falls into a stream and disappears. Live animals, mm-hmm. humans, puppets, and people in costumes filled a small set mishaps abounded as a tiger got loose the elephants got their trunks stuck in set pieces people wearing a brontosaurus costume collapsed from the heat (laughs) and the terrain and restrictive size of the set proved too difficult for the actors to dance through and cameras to maneuver (laughs) the omission of this disastrous shoot makes the biblical ending of the movie seem completely random (laughs) do you think oh it makes so much more sense now Tiger got loose. I mean, Melissa, I, you were enjoying telling that, but I read that earlier and I'm like, oh my God. Wow. It's the elephants getting their trunks stuck yes. in set pieces. Oh my God. Well, kudos to you, anonymous IMDb writer, because that couldn't have been phrased better. Man. Oh, that's some serious oh, spinal God, tap yes. shit right there. Yeah. It's amazing. No kidding. The tiger loose. Tiger loose. <laughs> oh my God. It's okay though. The tr- what about the t- the elephants? It's okay. They're stuck. <laughs> tiger brand coffee is a real treat. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I just quoted Monty Python. I'm a bad person. Oh, anyway, sorry. Anyway, um, (laughs) you know, I don't see any. uh, I don't see any personal kind of attitude in this movie at all. Maybe you guys will disagree. (laughs) But the question was like, oh, does Menachem Globus Mm. like think that the world's going to end? Or but I, I I think think that's giving him too much credit. This is just a wacky story. This is just cynical. Yeah, you're right. Well, the the here's here's where I think his motivation was coming from um in the uh, electric boogaloo documentary um Catherine mary stewart talks about the like the origin of the project and she says she says that menachem Glo- uh, golan thought that this was his tommy yeah he wanted mm-hmm. to make tommy and that's here it was in ambition yes mm-hmm. wow yeah that's um, i mean, yeah, I, mean so I can see are. i can see that mm-hmm. but uh i, I mean, mean tommy i'm sorry wendy go on it it's got the seeds for it. I mean, it's an epic tale. The a biblical tale is not necessarily a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, if and if, when you really think about it, Tommy is completely crazy pants. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, but it's it works. So it's not actually crazy that he would have been aiming for that and thinking that he was coming close to it. But the problem is that he filmed that scene where they sing the song "The Apple" and didn't notice. Yeah, <laughs> what mm-hmm. he had done. Well, that's yeah. like the history of canon films right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like he filmed it, he watched it, he edited it, edited it, but somehow never actually saw it. But but I think I think that's also part of what makes this works on this kind of glorious meta level, you know, rather than as what he intended. It's enormously entertaining because this movie is 100% in earnest. <laughs> everybody is just swinging for the rafters on it they believed in this thing and uh that 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 is i think what makes it work i mean there's no sneering aside there's no irony it is it is just a hundred percent this this is our dystopian magnum opus disco musical yeah it's pre-ironic yeah you know it's 1980 so it's right at the end of all of these trends that it's following the Disco trend, the Godspell, Jesus Christ superstar stuff, mm-hmm. where they're um, taking biblical ideas and reworking them for contemporary stuff. Uh, but it's not to the point of media saturation where people have seen this kind of shit so often yeah. that the films themselves have to take an ironic yeah. distance on it. No, they can still just do it sincerely well, yeah. or cynically sincerely. I mean, jumping ahead, but in terms of references and ripping stuff off, uh, I actually made a note. There's a, there's a number early-ish on that is very pseudo 50s and that number i was like wow they are trying to capitalize on the 50s nostalgia that happened five to seven years earlier with american graffiti and happy days in greece Mm -hmm. yeah but they're late to the party uh, you belong to me i think yeah you yeah it's got the doo-wop harmonies in the back yeah Yeah. Yeah. and it has the crazy dance move with the dragging the women yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's, yeah, it was that that's when yep. uh, Dandy gives BB, our listeners, we've been very remiss in giving you the plot. So uh, it's a World Vision song contest. And is that really a thing? Eurovision. Eurovision is. What is. It, yeah, yeah. So it's based on the Eurovision thing. So it's World yeah. Vision and BIM. Dandy and Pandy are going to win, but then out come these two like folk singers and they're way too popular. So um, the bad guy. 
Mr. Boogaloo, mm-hmm. sabotages them and then tries to sign them. And Bibi, the girl, totally signs up. Uh, but Alfie, the man, starts seeing these visions of how evil Mr. Boogaloo is. And he's like, it's, it's Boogaloo. Boogaloo. What, whatever. Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Boogie. Let's call him Mr. Boogie. Yeah. <laughs> um He's all like, no, no. And then it's all about him wanting to win back BB and BB realizing that, you know, life is awful. And then eventually they, they're they living as homeless people under a bridge. Not lying, listeners. Yeah, that is seriously. true. But so when BB first signs with Mr. Boogaloo and um, no, they go to the party the night before and uh, Dandy, fake Rod Stewart, mm-hmm. is like, here. Take a pill. And she's like, what is it? He goes, it's it's not going to hurt you. And she's like, oh, okay. No, I'll the take exact the pill. exact quote. I, I wrote it down. Just little pills. They won't harm you. Part <laughs> of a drink. And then okay. moments after taking the harmless pills, she's already making out with him. Yeah. And like, also, that's fast. And also, you know, when she goes up onto that balcony, I've never been so high in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Actual quote. And then Actual during quote. the song, she sings, because he starts singing, you belong to me. And then she starts singing, oh, it feels so right. Yeah, honey, that's the drugs. Yeah. 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 Uh, biblical reference there too. You know, they, uh, Satan takes Jesus up to the top of the of the cliff and all the world is spread mm-hmm. down before. Oh, this oh, can wow. all be yeah. yours. Uh, to, you're you're going deep that, on this. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah. Uh, deep in my Catholic background. Yeah, that, that whole ah. party just looks like a Rocky Horror cast party though. Yeah. And oh, with like fish bowls for for the drinks. For drinks. Oh that's, my God. Yeah. Like, oh, that's these, the greatest scene. They have they triangle offer glasses, yeah. but yes. they're not glasses. They're like vases. They're yeah. huge. Yeah. Like these people are going to get drunk. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> they offer the hero some champagne, and he's like, "No, no, no, I don't drink." And then they offer her some champagne. She's like, "Sure, I'll take one of those." And you see the glass. <laughs> it's got like half a bottle of champagne. It's, it's, it's like enormous. the size of her face. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge. It's enormous. Oh, man. Wait. I did want to point out this movie puts the B in subtle, the uh, love song that Alfie and BB sing, remembering that they are Adam and Eve analogs is love the universal melody. Mm -hmm. So subtle. Um, And I did also want to point out, so Mr. Boogaloo turns to his marketing genius. Okay. You need to market BIM. And by the time they get to the party, he's like, look at our BIM glasses and their triangle glasses. And I have these BIM marks. Oh, that's excellent. He's like, look, you can play a BIM ball machine. <laughs> 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 and that was the one I'm like, I gotta write that down. Oh, it's a yeah. By the end of the movie, machine. you're seeing great BIM products everywhere. There's triangular baby carriages. Yes, the BIM I love baby carriages. Baby. I made oh, note of that. Yes. Because there were multiple shots of the triangle baby carriages yeah. in that scene. Like they really had to get mileage out of making those products. Yeah. yeah, but we they were amazing looking, and them. so many bubble things everywhere. It's like Dalek, like Dalek station wagons. Well, Wendy, what I what I what I wrote at, it was 1980 thinks that 1994 cars will look like early 1960s station wagons with extra shit stuck on them. And that was exactly the reaction when you first see cars yeah. after that first whole sequence. Oh, God, the cars. The cars, dear listeners, they literally put, like, a fence on the hood. And then there's twirly things on the inside yeah. of the fence. And they're and all the half-dome dome bumps yeah. on stuff, there like a Dalek. circles yeah. that just sort of swing back and forth. And it's like, what are they doing? Why are they there? Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. Whatever. They, um, they're doing and, and what I wrote down is that the future is domes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, Mr. Fuller would be proud. Also, one yeah, yes. of the um, so uh, Mr. Boogalow 
has his two lawyers that basically say the same thing in slightly different wording. Yep. Almost you know, every time one speaks and the other one repeats with just a little different wording. But one of those lawyers looks like a cross between Phil Silvers and John Houseman. <laughs> he totally does. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's Phil Silver. No, it's John House. No, it's the, oh crap. He's like both. It's both. Um, That's a discerning eye you've got there. Thank Eric. you. Thanks. <laughs> He also has his two muscle henchmen who literally have fangs. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, ooh, but lower, lower jaw fangs, right? Yeah. Not mm-hmm. upper. Yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. they're like, um, like little pigmen. I've yeah. seen one of those guys before, too. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I think it might have been looks, in Derek German's Jubilee or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. One of those big, tough Englishmen that look like bulldogs. So, random, just random stuff, other, you know, bits. I did notice in that 50s number at the party, there was a, like a, direct kind of close-up face shot of one of the extra dancers a brunette woman and i'm like oh oh who is she she looks familiar and like so when i was finola hughes bingo yes <laughs> i looked it up finola hughes who is on in, on general hospital mm-hmm. in like the end of the 70s into the 80s because i went through the a phase. era yes I watched that in the in the oh, me too. I yes, because I was a kid and you see I was the wedding? off in the summers and yeah. the Luke and, yes, the Luke and Laura and era of was, General uh, Hospital. Paired with Tristan, the Aussie. I don't remember Tristan. I remember Robert Scorpio, and I remember. I remember well, was Tristan a bit was of, the yeah. actor's I, I, name, I believe. That I remember he, the Ice Princess. And, yeah, and the there Greek was some, guy. I, yeah. Here's how it's pretty fuzzy I remember Finola Hughes. Okay. She is the lead awful female in Staying Alive, which is the sequel oh. to Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. yeah. Starring John Travolta and Cynthia Rhodes. Hmm. Oh, my God. Who's that? Uh, from Dirty Dancing oh, and also the really? music Never video Rosanna. Toto's Rosanna. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, really? Funny. Oh. That's funny. <laughs> I am full of useless knowledge. Hey, that's, this that's is right. deep down the rabbit hole. Well, Wendy, you were doing I, a good job summarizing. Should we yeah. kind I, of... Well, I mean... Well, I think we covered it all. Yeah, we I think that was, two, that was just a, that was just a super scenes. quick overview. Well... <laughs> Yeah, no, no. We, was that? Was that we, well, well, so we've gotten up to, to the, the first part sorry, sorry. and yeah, the temptation okay. of Phoebe. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've well, we got... did kind of jump ahead a little, so that's why I wasn't yeah. sure how. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. so after the the first party scene, we've got the lobby scene where you've wait, got the wait, solid wait. gold ballet dancers. What? Wait, wait. Hmm? I did want to point out Shake listeners. Yes, Shake is Shake amazing. Is um, uh, Mr. Bugalo's right hand man sycophant flunky uh he's this wonderful black man we've already heard that it's melissa's spirit animal mm-hmm. what i love is he oh he's flaming people oh my god he's flaming yeah. his makeup and his clothes and everything is amazing yeah. every time he, because alfie and bb are from canada and they're from moose a little jaw. town called moose jaw and every moose time jaw. he says moose jaw i just loved watching him just say the word moose jaw and he would just leave his mouth hanging open jaw <laughs> and it was <laughs> listeners if you've not seen the apple there is nothing we're going to say here that can spoil it for you like yeah. it's such an amazing experience we could talk you through every minute of it and it's still you're going to be like why would i want to watch it now the, trust oh, me yeah. the most stunning trust thing me. The most stunning thing is the visuals, and yeah. there's nothing we can do to spoil the visuals. Everyone on amazing. everyone on Earth has seen the story already, whether yeah. they've watched the movie or not. Yes. <laughs> it's just yes. how it's presented. Yeah, no, no, Shake though, 
black man, like tall, slender black man who just rocks glitter lipstick. He it's was amazing. also apparently in oh. Velvet Goldmine. Yeah, he was. That's what Melissa was telling me. That's Murray. one of my favorite movies, but uh, I don't remember let's... who he is. Anyway, sorry, he go ahead. It was Murray, it says. Murray yes. does not ring a bell. I'll okay. have to go watch okay, it right. again. Let's also give a shout out. The, the costume designer on this did a great job. Yes. I, Love what they keep putting on Mr. Bulo. Yes. He's wearing a mm-hmm. lovely suit. He's rocking a bow tie and a diamond necklace mm-hmm. and yeah. a chandelier earring. Just like. Just one. Just the one. Looks yeah. so good. Dear listeners, uh, Mr. Bulo, who is our, our Satan analog, um, is played by Vladik Scheibal, who is. He was one of the James Bond villains. He was in. Kronstadt. <laughs> yes. from, from Russia with Love. Yes, he was. He was. <laughs> um, all, it, Polish actor. Um, he was one of the leading Polish actors in the 1950s. And uh, he's like a real life badass. He was part of the Polish resistance during World War II. He was caught a couple times. He was interred in concentration camps twice, escaped both times. Wow. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That dude, guy. I, I mean, I, I loved him true. anyway, but dude. Yeah. yeah. Dude. <laughs> Man. Listeners, I do want to... Melissa, I feel like we do need to link to our Google chat if that's possible. Oh, I'll see <laughs> if I have that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Melissa and I were chatting, Google chatting while we were watching this movie, and it's cracking me up because what Melissa says is uh, about the party scene, that is a rocking party fish bowl of booze <laughs> and then about the lobby scene oh shit it's all Cirque du Soleil in here <laughs> and it was <laughs> and of course my reply is bald dude does not know the choreography I see you bald dude for shame yeah shame. yeah that that's the best lobby though I mean love the lobby yeah love the lobby scene because all of a sudden all these like glittery dancers come out of nowhere and do a um do a dance sequence and there's then a there's a tap sequence there's a tap sequence <laughs> the the wonderful uh um uh what do you call it? the uh shot where the, the, pan the, the, the pan shot where they just roll by there's a dude playing the clarinet yeah. horizontally and then next there's a dude playing a the trombone, trombone the, the in the other direction trombone. and then the woman the does the same notes vo- vocally the at the begin so here's one of my little things that I fixated on <laughs> about that number, mm-hmm. it starts out and it's got the electric piano. Mm-hmm. That song is so blatantly ripping off a super tramp song. Yes. One, a particular song mm-hmm. off of Breakfast in America. Yes. The yes. last song is Child of Vision. Yes. Fantastic yes. super tramp song. Well, it that, is, that whole that album is album. fantastic. The album's really good. No, and I, I, I love the album, but that, I mean, that's actually my favorite song from that album. And the, the, the exact progression of the notes, I was just like, holy shit, they're just ripping off Child of Vision. It's like this, right, just straight up. And then it does that wacky, shifting into three time chorus thing with the carnival barker stuff thing but it's like yeah, that that number's just crazy pants but they're just blatantly ripping off references all over the place oh, obviously yeah, 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 yeah. the whole movie is pastiche yeah. well, well, that sure. sounds like yeah. that's a very very close pastiche yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so anyway pastiche anyway. is a nice way of saying ripping off <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. sure that's sure. how we all get along but yeah. without yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so after the lobby, we go up to Mr. Bogolo's office and uh, the, the young Adam and Eve characters go up there 
to sign contracts with Mr. Boogaloo. And Mr. Boogaloo is in this Eye of Sauron chair, yes. which is amazing. And, and a, his phone, the glowing yeah. red phone that is huge and box-like. And, yes. and transparent. <laughs> it's glowing. Like, I'm taking a call, and it's an evil call. But, you know, there's a there's an earthquake in the office that only uh, 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 Alfie sees. Mm-hmm. And then he has... But, wait, wait, yeah. Before that, though, I yeah. have to point out... Yes, yes, you did. In, in trying to convince them... That they should sign up, that they should that they should be contracted mm-hmm. with them. Uh, there, you it is, said it, contracted like I did. a disease. <laughs> well, pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is mentioned that well, you know, we've already, you know, like we've already been. You, people are already buying your. You're, we're already selling your your. And then and they're like, what do you mean we haven't even recorded a record yet? And the response is, first you sell it, then you make it. That's marketing. And that is the Golden Globus marching <laughs> orders for canon films. <laughs> so true. Yes. yes. But, oh, man. Oh. Sorry, I love that line. That's so amazing. very much. Close yes. to your heart. It is. Also, yes. this is the point where I was, I texted to Melissa. I'm like, what is Alfie's accent? Like, dude, what? Where are you actually from? She's like, that's a Scotsman Canadian. <laughs> Well, Scott's Man. been trying to be Canadian and failing. <laughs> his, so, his, uh, his accent just kind of drifts yeah. here and yeah. there. Tokyo we'll call drifts? It Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. New. No. New. So, I mean, this poor man, he suffers. He's clearly schizophrenic. He has hallucinations. <laughs> and yeah. It, he has a psychic. He has a psychotic break right there in the. He has op- a psychotic break. He abandons his longtime partner girlfriend. But but only after we see hell in a dance. Oh yes, yeah. I'm sorry. We skipped Which over is, hell. And how could we? Because that that is the first scene I saw in this movie. So, what the barking fuck is going on? This well, is amazing. And that's, what the barking fuck. And yeah. that's when it's confirmed. But you see, then the pe- <laughs> the whole parallel is so confirmed, even right down to the fact that shake. Is the serpent so mm-hmm. shake and snake sound alike? Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah, shake snake. Ah. That costume is so subtle oh, that he's wearing. Oh my Good god, Lord. that is the point where I'm just like, oh, this is so bonkers. Like, how do you keep a straight face while you're filming this? Like, when dude pops up with his snake head on and he's all like <laughs> overacting the shit out of it. Like, how do you look at that and not just go, oh fuck, what have I done? Why am I here? Or oh, God. <laughs> Actual, actual, actual vampire. <laughs> yeah, so the vampire pops up. <laughs> the from vampire pops below up. The oh my god, street. I love it so much. I found the lyrics to the song. Would you would you like oh, would you of like to course. hear them? Of course. This yes. is by someone of my favorite songs. Let me just preface this by saying that I made the note someone had a rhyming dictionary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Wendy, please proceed. <laughs> Magic apple. Magic apple. <laughs> god damn it, Pat. <laughs> Mystery apple. Mystery apple. <laughs> Take a little ride. Let me be your guide through the apple paradise. Paradise. <laughs> Juju apple. Juju apple. Voodoo apple. Voodoo apple. Take a little bite. Such a uh, spend a splendid night in our garden of delights. Delights. It's a natural, natural, natural desire. Meet an actual, 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 actual. vampire. vampire. <laughs> We're going to come back to that. I'm putting an asterisk oh, right man. there. Let the apple set your soul on fire, 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 
fire. Jazz hands. You'll be hypnotized and you'll be demonized, but you'll be paralyzed so you can victimize. You're Mm. fascinating, captivating, losing your mind when we cast the apple light on you. Holy apple. Holy apple. (laughs) Sacred apple. Sacred apple. Take a little chance, get into a trance, and join me in the apple dance. Dance. (laughs) Why the fuck is there a vampire in this song? It's an actual, 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 actual vampire. vampire. Not, not a fake one. It's also, like way, extra, extra, extra real. By the way, I did note that BB looked really good in the dress in that song, oh, actually. Did. That was an awesome dress. Well, yeah, but yeah. also, why is there a vampire? Well, why not? why not? And I love that they're like, natural, natural, natural desire. Actual, actual, ah, like seriously, pushing up the glasses on your nose, actual vampire. So here, let's introduce a theme that should be a recurring motif for the rest of our podcast. Yes. Okay. The actual, the literal, literal. The yep. literal vampire. It's not just a metaphorical vampire. This is a literal vampire. Literal. This whole mm-hmm. movie is literal. As exactly very right. <laughs> yeah. In, in case we were uh, unclear on the allegory about Adam and Eve and temptation while they were in the office signing contracts with Mr. Bogolo, now we're in hell watching a snake give an apple. To them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And tempting them with actual vampires yep. and things. And in why the background. Why would a vampire be a temptation? And why would you want to meet one? I mean, they're like, hey, look at what you can do. You can meet an actual vampire. Why would you want to do that? But mm-hmm. you might as well ask why there are vampires in the background on bungee cords. Uh, y- Bouncing up and down. Literally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah that, the people that hung by to... nooses that then turn out that they sort of just bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, seriously, yeah. this is the number where Nigel Lithgow just said, "Fuck it, jazz hands." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just just stand there and do jazz hands at them. Don't move. Don't move. Just please, for fuck's sake, don't move. Just jazz hands. Oh my God, you people are killing me. I, I you know, sound wise, now that I think about it, that song, the Apple, stylistically, the music and instrumentation. Is most most closely feels like it's trying to rip off Hot Patootie from, uh, from Rocky Horror. Yes, yes. it's yeah. very really Rocky similar in that retro fifties sound that they're yeah, going for. It's not with that. a disco sound. I mean, and that's part of no, the other thing too. Yeah. Is like the BIM stuff, the dandy pandy, like the the pop stuff that they're selling, like oh, speed. Like that's speed. That's, oh my God. that's the worst one. Pop, this, we got this really boring oh, looking stuff. Wait, wait, ahead. wait. There's another song before we get to speed, yeah, though, which a, is the, the awful a reggae song. Yeah. yeah. He knows how to be a master. I yes. love that one. <laughs> well, all I want to say about the apple, the, the voodoo apple. Voodoo apple. Crazy apple, which is, of course, my favorite song in the movie except for the one that's coming coming up uh is that it it should have been delivered by a guy with a, a less breathy baritone this is the fake rod stewart has a fake rod stewart voice here and it doesn't really work because you really need to punch those apples you need to crazy it out yeah. yeah yeah apple yeah and apple. here it, it, it just doesn't have enough power He's not. He's not convincing he, enough. He's either. not. He's not uh, given power by the hour. Yeah. Speed. <laughs> speed. No. No. Stop with the speed. Oh, I'm so glad, Pat, that you decided to criticize this song on the vocal performance. 
So overall, I mean, I'm no musician, right? Uh, no one wants me to write a song or whatever, but there's like a seed of something good in most of these songs if they had really kind of developed it into interesting directions. But mostly they just, of course, it's terrible shitty lyrics. Um, but I don't know what they, you're talking about. <laughs> but they run out of musical ideas mo- for most of these songs and they just tend to repeat the stuff over and over again. The bridges aren't interesting and especially later on they'll be just like long, boring, oh, yeah. instrumental couple, bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, somebody with a, a really good musical ear could do something with this stuff and have it escalate and then if it was performed well they wouldn't be any more embarrassing than the Rocky Horror Picture Show songs but they need more work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we move on to the Be a Master song. <laughs> yeah. It's an, what I wrote is an awful reggae song, which includes the excessively cheesy, he knows how to be a master line. Master. 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 Which is all Vladek Shabel. Yeah. With his cheekbones and his pursed lips and his goatee. <laughs> yes. Oh. And and he just kind of talks through the song. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> More oh, than yeah. anything, this reminds me of. Have uh, any of you guys seen the Return of Captain Invincible with yes. Alan Arkin and Christopher? Yes. Maybe you watched it. At my yes. Place or whatever. It's uh, it, of course, which it's, is also insane. <laughs> insane and, and very bad. It's but, terrible. Uh, oh, but a lot God. of fun in, in in a similar way. But Christopher Lee has a song that's sort of like this. Yes. It's like, oh, God. I'm the evil mm. villain, and I'm just going to talk sing this. Okay. I'm not going to remember all the details. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Christopher yeah. Lee singing a song to tempt Alan Arkin as a superhero into yeah, he's an alcoholic. returning to alcoholism. Yes. It is the most batshit insane thing that is not the apple. <laughs> It's good stuff. It, it, it is it, really it, good stuff. You watch them both together, like on YouTube or whatever. These two. So songs. basically, they're just Henry Higginsing the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So then the next thing. Oh of wait, note- no wait. Oh, I love sorry. the master because here's how you can tell she sold her soul. Mm-hmm. She has colored hairspray in her hair now, mm-hmm. and and crimping, crimping, crimper. and eye makeup. Crimping the, the iron, eye no, I'm sorry, crimping iron attack. Mm, That's when you know mm. you have just, you are in Sleazeville. Sure, Your hair's sure. crimping. Why did we ever think that looked good? No, it's like a waffle iron. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what it is, but it's like, that's yeah. a bad idea. She had long Crystal Gale hair at the yeah. beginning, and yeah. then it just kind of, but, you know, this is the scene where uh, I think we kind of noticed that the the editing is good it's this is a very good montage here the mm-hmm. the music is going it's one song it lasts what two and a half minutes or something like yeah. that mm-hmm. but you see her she's doing aerobic she's working out they're signing contracts they're doing all these things so it's a lot of narrative material compacted into a short and interesting time frame so yeah, yeah, sure. there's, yeah. Sure. it's 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 not an incompetent movie well at least in terms of editing and right. like the, the visual made, language it's made well like there is never a point where you're like oh my god this is going on too long i'm bored with this never yeah the tempo there, was really good there is always new madness on screen to <laughs> yes Just pretty much right at the point much. where you're like why are we oh good it stopped okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next number is our Speed. debut our oh. debut for BB as a rock star, <laughs> and Dandy and Pandy are now her backup singers. And this is the number where you can tell that they looked at poor Nigel and they went, "Okay, so the backup dancers are on motorcycles. Choreograph." <laughs> <laughs> okay, what? About the lyrics, I wrote, "I think there may be one or two drug euphemisms in this song." Yes, <laughs> 
Yes. Oh my God. The whole I think the song. word you're looking for is drug literalism. <laughs> yes. yes. And more than one or two. I was asked, underestimating. Yes. Pumping clearly. power by the hour. Yep. Yep. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, yes. Yeah. This so is much. by far the worst song in the movie. And I love it. Even the shitty Universal Harmony stuff. This is this is wait wait. What about but but Pandy's song near the end, the really boring, meaningful song. You mean the one I completely forgot until you mentioned it right now? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's a duet with BB. The both of them Uh, are like sort of. Yeah. I have found me. I think that's the line. I found me. Yeah. I. I. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's just so forgettable. I know. This one is actively abrasive. Yes. Yeah. But it's more engaging, even if it's abrasive. Yeah, like they being are. abraded is more engaging. <laughs> so other things about that, I mean, you have the backup dancers oh that are Judas Priest. Yes. yes. Um, or, you know, the leather guys from the village people or whatever. So here's more gay panic stuff. Yeah. That's just, you hear mm-hmm. leather, leather guy signifiers. Okay, listeners, the men are not on motorcycles. They're dancing. That's Judas Priest. The women are all sitting on motorcycles so all they can really do is sort of do uh shoulder hits and sort of throw their head their hair around literally when you watch it and so here's finola hughes who is an amazing dancer and all she does is throw her hair around it's like well that's a waste of time damn (laughs) okay so maybe what if that's on purpose maybe the choreography in that number was supposed to actually demonstrate, not that most people would pick it up, but it was actually, actually supposed to demonstrate how kind of bad and boring the song and her general material and entire genre on stage would come across. Um, I'm not saying that's not possibly true, except that this is a movie It's like... Uh, it wasn't that self-aware. This is yeah. the world's <laughs> most literal movie. Sure, sure. Yeah, it is <laughs> the world's most literal. Like, there's a, when Alfie sings the line, I'm up against a wall, and he literally leans up against, up against a wall. wall. Yes. yes. So I'm, I'm thinking, also, take this it straight. This movie is not going to say, look how empty this is in that way. It's going to say, that's bad. This is good. Good is folk. Yeah, like, I think it's too subtle for this movie. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, I, I do want to point out that these backup dancers do appear later in the movie as an actual motorcycle actual, gang. Actual <laughs> vampire. I didn't notice that. <laughs> right. They are a literal motorcycle gang. Oh, man. Oh, wait, yeah. guys, who pops up in the next scene? <laughs> Professor Sprout. Yes, yes, I, yes, yes. I, oh, you took it. Yep. Yeah. So, yes. So, so, and, and she and it opens with her saying, What happened in here last night? A pogrom? See, oh. she's Jewish. Did you catch that? Was it obvious enough? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And then oh my God. good hearted, sweet, wholesome Alfie, who's apparently been on a bender all of a sudden. What's with all the alcohol bottles? Yeah, I thought he didn't And drink. then he comes up behind her and he gets a double handful of He grabs of her tits. Yes. And I'm like, isn't that funny and not creepy or molesty at all? And it's uh. like, dude, hands off. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, oh. And Melissa replied, good thing Miriam's a lesbian. I thought yeah. she was his mom. And then that was like especially weird. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> she's just his landlady. This is totally okay. Oh, man. And then and so then when he leaves to go pitch his song that he wrote all night, I, I just wrote down, monorails are very futuristic. Monorail. My 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 response was Disney. <laughs> it's, it's Disney World. What I love is what he is wearing. He's yeah. wearing this fake brown brown, not even black brown 
obviously pleather jacket, but there's a chain looped around the shoulder, so it's so edgy. So oh, edgy. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my Oof. God. With, with like, a checked shirt, a checked button-down shirt. Like, what the actual fuck? But during his little ballad, Where Has the Love Gone, There's a, this is where we get the triangular baby carriages, and that mm-hmm. made yep. me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> triangular baby carriages with little bubble domes. Yep. Also, wasn't there, like, a, a Bim Dogs, uh, th- like a... a yeah, a like a hot dog stand. Hot dog stand. It's, it's like uh, Bim Dogs or something like that. Yep. I can't oh, remember yeah. what it was. Yeah, that was there. Yeah. You you didn't imagine that. Bim food. <laughs> Bim food. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he fails to sell a song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wanders by and he sees BB and the, no, 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 you're skipping, you're skipping, you're skipping the BIM hour of BIM exercise. Stop fighting that fire. It's time for the hour of BIM exercise. You can't save lives right now. You need to exercise. Literally, it is literally, literally. The best, the best thing in that number, the best thing in that number is the surgery patient (laughs) doing a couple of dance moves and then passing out again on the surgery table. Because the firefighters stop fighting a fire and start To do their hour of exercises. I I feel that this is a very inefficient way to run a police state because... It has severe economic consequences, first for public safety, but also, you know, the factory oh, shut down, the transportation shuts down. I just don't think it's it's good planning mm-hmm. on the part of, of Mr. Bogolo. But you get dancing nuns. With the with the wacky flying nun style headdresses, yeah, yeah. no less. And yeah. silver, well, what else are they silver do? flying headdresses with yeah. silver shoes? Yeah, because even nuns are glam in this mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. Like, and, seriously, yeah. the random people, the average passerby in this world has some sweet moves like if everybody had high kicks that high like that's pretty damned impressive i feel like their their exercise program is working and can we point out that just about every single human being in this movie except for miriam margulis is totally gorgeous (laughs) wait no there is one fat guy on the monorail I don't, I don't know. Uh, during the BIM hour, Monterey. during the BIM hour, there's one fat guy. I'm like, well, the this is clearly not working for him. I, oh. yeah, Joss Ackland well, doesn't. He'll, he'll be purged eventually. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> it won't take too long. Um, so. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. So after the hour of BIM, yeah. that's when Alfie runs into BB mm, getting right. into her limo and right. fights his way uh, through the crowd, gets her attention. And she's like, I'm like, oh my God. And then a fake Rod Stewart steps in. You can't talk to her anymore. And then <laughs> Alfie, oh man, he goes he goes right for the jugular. He aims for fake Rod Stewart's hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perm fight. He gets like a handful of that. I'm like, dude, don't touch the hair. So, of course, they beat him senseless mm-hmm. yep. because he touched the hair. But then B.B. gets to sing her Alfie song, mm-hmm. which I what I wrote is it's not exactly bad. It's just uninspired. Like yeah. the melody wasn't terrible, at, at least certainly not as bad as a lot of the other songs. Well, it's very Manlos Mandy. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. This is the song, listeners, where he's, where Alfie sings his part and literally sings my back's against the wall. Yeah. And, and puts his back against a wall mm-hmm. while he sings it. I, I love yeah. that he catches the ague from punching. Because he <laughs> yeah. gets punched and then suddenly he's sick. Right. But he, oh I, God, mean, right, right. So but, I mean, as the song progresses and he makes it back home, he's taken up drinking. Yes. You know, well, to he, drown he his drunk, sorrows. Uh, he was drinking in an earlier scene. <clears throat> okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then, but then, and he's sing, singing out into the, again, what I wrote, singing out into the downpour is letting a lot of the rain into your place, Alfie. You're a renter. Have a little consideration for your landlord's property, especially because you grabbed your tits and that wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have, they have an understanding. I guess. You grabbed your tits and that wasn't nice. But seriously, it's a freaking downpour and he's got the window wide open, sticking his head out, singing like, He's getting water all over the freaking apartment. <laughs> he's doing also that, singing, he? I'm standing alone. I'm standing oh, yeah. alone. While he's oh, standing right. alone. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, oh, but you're right, God. it didn't have to be so, you know, didn't have to get water into I, his landlady's place. Yeah, oh. just inconsiderate, oh. I tell you. Okay. Come on, Alfie. Well, then we see, but then we see her again, Professor Sprout. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she tells Alfie off, if you mm. love her, don't wait for her to call. But you go call. You you go find her. But, but he, he just did. did. Here, that's why he got yeah. fucked but up. Here's the thing, though. She, she, what I wrote, she just got about 100% Jewier than in the earlier scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, seriously, her accent was so over the top. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? And I looked her up. For a second, I thought she was Slavic. And then I'm like, no. Wait, why she, is she, she could be both. Well, no. Yeah. Wait, then, no, she's Jewish. Okay. But if you look oh, her she could be a Slavic Jew. But maybe this is the film that established her Jew bona fides because three years later she was in Yentl. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Uh, so, yeah. I love that you just brought that up. Yeah. And um, that's also, when I... I feel like her Jew bona fides might be because she's probably actually Jewish. Well, she probably is. I know. Yeah. But still, like the, oh, the heavy handedness of that characterization, and including the fact that... In, she says Meshuggah. Well, she, yeah, other stuff. And... And as as was pointed out in an article I read earlier today, um, she's stopped and given a ticket for not having her BIM mark. And the yeah. parallel with Nazi Germany of not wearing the star, yeah, being uh, you know being pretty blatant with the whole you know. Actually, I don't get that. I get the whole um, revelations thing, the mark of the beast. That's what that is. Really, I think you're both it, right. It could. It, you're both. <laughs> no, I mean, you're both great. I I can see why people see the Jewish thing, but I think what the original script writers were going for there is that uh, the the whole end times thing of oh, yeah. those left on earth will have to wear the mark of the beast, blah, blah, blah. I was raised Pentecostal Christian. I can talk to you about that bullshit. <laughs> that was a real mm. thing. Like People were really concerned when barcodes came out because barcodes were the mark of the beast. And eventually, of course, everybody would have to get a barcode on them because the end times were coming probably next year. Yeah. I'm an atheist now. I would actually consider getting a barcode tattoo if I was ever going to get a second tattoo. And it would really amuse me if it was one that could actually scan to my social security number. (laughs) That would amuse me. That would be good. Well, if you were ever a burned, faceless corpse somewhere, I know that's the concern. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, but they but, could find, they could figure out who you were. Yeah, if like you had no hands, but, but right, I, and right. I ripped out your teeth, right? And, oh, you would be no, doing... no, no. Oh, just hypothetically. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you just have to put the the uh, the barcode on some part of your body that's not normally. Anywhere you like. <laughs> yeah, you can wear it anywhere you like, but, you know, to prevent people from stealing like your social mark. security number. On your anyway. inner thigh. Right there where oh, it's nice and Oh, people see sensitive. that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after Alfie. Oh, but before we move on, about this point in the movie, that's when I noticed Mr. Boogaloo's car. This is the first time I ever noticed this, and I've seen this movie a lot. The car has holographic hubcaps. <laughs> They're holographic. God. Oh my wow. god! Wow! Oh my god! 
And that's what I'm talking about. The production design on this is actually amazing. Like, seriously. Like, not just a little. This is not badly made. I'm really kind of impressed. I kind of want a holographic hubcaps on my Honda Civic. <laughs> that um, would be spectacular. Have you done a Google search for that yet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> just saying. Over yet. Just saying. So the okay. next musical number oh god so alfie goes uh, back mm-hmm. to mr boogalow's place mm-hmm. to in search of bb and there's a big party with really unsexy gyrating going on and everybody is uh some sort of trans like it's a woman but it's a man but it's a man but it's a woman and you don't know what's going on and trans fright Ah, oh, we don't know sexuality is confusing and scary and, and uh, oh, Mr. Boogalow shows up and he's added a sweet like earring to his ensemble. And then he turns around. He's he's got this one devil horn that's all like glittery and <laughs> it's, glammed out. It's, it's a glam horn. It's amazing. <laughs> and his goatee is all glittered up and he's got this pouty red like glitter lipstick on. Like, dude looks sweet. Yeah. Like, man, like. Duran Duran wishes they could have rocked that look. Yeah, Vladek, you know, more power to you, man. You were rocking that part. And then so Pandy, the female half of Dandy and Pandy, uh, is like, I will, I'll help you find her. Here, drink this hallucinogenic drink. The passionate Pandy special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come into my room and we're going to do things. And when you watch it, it's like, um... Yeah, I'm pretty sure penetration happened there. Like, mm-hmm. there's really no way oh, to song. Oh, this is such a the great s- fucking song. part of the. Yeah, this, this is this, okay, when I, we I, watched I, this in Cinema Rex. Uh-huh. This <laughs> fucking killed. It was <laughs> terrific because it's totally bananas up to this point. This movie, right, but yeah. it just keeps escalating, and this is really the climax. This of is it. the pit. This, this, is, this is what it is. Um, because the song starts innocuously enough. It's got all sort of double entendres, yeah. and it's just suggestive or whatever. But it goes from zero to pornographic in about two minutes. Yeah, like softcore. Oh, I I don't know. I want your deep love inside me. I'm talking about to... what we're seeing, not oh, not we're visually. not seeing full yeah. frontal. But, okay. but what she's okay, singing sure. is yeah, sure. literally pornographic. Okay. I'm going to drain every drop of your love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the line. Drain yeah. every drop of your yeah. love is like oh. So roofing happens. In- interestingly, interestingly though, I made a note. I thought this song, on a genuine level, I think this may be the strongest song in the movie in terms of just coming across like a straight up late seventies disco song. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Except for the bridge. Okay. Which has that long, uh, I oh, mean, obviously yeah. it's got sex. Uh, yeah. Like it's supposed to escalate to. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, but except for that, I agree with you. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a, an orgy dance number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Once she's got him in bed and she's straddling him and we all know exactly what's happening. The curtain lifts, as it were, on other couples doing choreographed sex play that is, I have to say, rather tastefully done. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all clothed, but, you know, like the guys are in the <laughs> Rocky Horror thong, the gold lame thong. and. Yep. Um, the, the ladies the women. have little white diaphanous things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, and there's a lot of spread eagle legs and a lot of like sliding up and down each other, and there's some actual nice moves in there. But it's I wouldn't call it 
unambiguous. <laughs> no. Would you call it literal? <laughs> no, it's Which, not literal because you didn't actually see a penis go into a vagina. Yeah, you didn't. No actual P and V that we knew that we know of. Um, but but one of the things that uh, also struck me is that the the according to the IMDb, this film is rated PG. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it, in addition to this pretty blatant soft corey dance sex number, there's uh, quite a bit of swearing. The word shit is thrown around pretty liberally. Mm-hmm. And I, I wondered if the PG rating is actually what it was rated at the time, or if that's, you know, like once in a while, I think that ratings get retconned, so to speak. Like, yeah, maybe it was an R, but by modern standards, it's been downgraded to PG. I bet it was PG. You think I, so? Yeah. I mean, there were some yeah. pretty, things were. I suppose we didn't uh, yeah, have PG-13 was, yet. Yeah. Not yet. So it had to be over a certain line to yeah. get an R. Otherwise, it could still maintain a PG. Yeah. Yes. And maybe okay. if anyone had ever watched it, they might have had a problem with it. Yes. Right. That's probably right. true. But <laughs> no, but there's actually nothing that happens here that I'd have a problem with Teddy seeing other than the fact that she wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> not even the I'll drain every drop of your love? <laughs> no, actually, because... Bear in mind, I am one of those parents where it's like, you want to talk about sex? Let's talk about sex, kid. That's fine. Violence is the problem. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. not much of that except but the But I don't want stomping. to teach her that, you know, sex is bad or evil or gross. I right. don't want her to get that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except that it is bad and evil and gross in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. So after that, how does he wake up in a hippie commune? No, 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 wait. First, he has to do his walk of shame past all of the transvestites. Yeah. Through the yeah. green filter. Oh, yeah. Through yeah. the green filter, which is so lame. Who are you? Says BB, because mm-hmm. she's drugged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, he wakes up in the park, and this is where the last of the money just went down the drain. Yeah, it's just, mm. we're it's just, just in a park. <laughs> and, and the old dude's like, You were calling out in your sleep. Who are you? Well, come over and join us. Who are these people? These are refugees from the 60s. Yes. And one of them, her name is Lotus Blossom, apparently. Yeah. 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 She's not Asian. That's an actual line. These are refugees from the 60s. Dear Another actual line, hippies. 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 I haven't heard that word in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear listeners, the, the old guy is Joss Ackland, who has been in hundreds of movies and and who as i commented was really there with the long hair and beard to be ripping off peter ustinoff and logan's run yeah and, yes. and pretty much this was the same year he was in tinker taylor soldier's Flag, yes. if i remember right. deep callback yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Pat. Uh, Pat. i heard that episode yeah <laughs> uh, jerry although, westerby although you know another another side note just on joss ackland while while we're at it did you know he performed the first gay kiss scene on the West End stage. He did not. With Denholm Elliott. Of course he did. Oh, <laughs> <bravo>. <laughs> Well, now I'm just excited. I would have assumed it was John Hurt and Ian McKellen, but yeah, what do I know? <laughs> God. Oh, man. Okay, or Derek so... Jacobi. So here, this is the point in the movie where the tempo drops. I mean, this is yeah. It, this is actually, it, but luckily, we're only ten minutes from the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it there is just a minor little stretch here that's a little boring compared to all the rest of the wackiness. Yeah. Well, and especially because you can't help but be like, um, no. So, BB wakes up. I feel I had a weird dream, and Pandy's like, "Did you dream that Alfie was here? Because he really <clears> was." <throat> what? girl, you got to get out of here and I'm going to help you because that boy really loves you. I'm paraphrasing. 
Mm-hmm. And so Pandy, I know because I fucked him last night. <laughs> yeah, she, she <laughs> leaves that part out. But clearly having holy dick in her has made her a better person. Yeah. Um, and so Pandy helps her escape. Oh, and, and but, but, you know, uh, Shake is there in the best bathrobe in the Ever. world. Ever. Yep. Oh, my God. Ever. He, he comes out in this black, like, silk bathrobe that has an amazing stories cover embroidered in like glitter thread on the back of it. It's amazing. Literally amazing stories. Literally amazing. The magazine cover on the back of his dressing gown. Yeah. It says amazing stories on the back with like a dragon and stuff. I want that. I want to own that. (laughs) And BB's like, where is everybody? Oh girl, they're at the sauna. Do you want a sauna with me? And Bibi gets this look on her face of just utter disgust. It's kind of great. Almost like he just threw up on her. <laughs> She's like, oh God, get away. Uh. What the hell? No. So Bibi escapes and is wandering around. Oh, I think he's down under the bridge with the oh, homeless. Yeah. Wait, we got to back up. Wait, back up. Wait. Wait. So she goes to the apartment. Oh, no, no, no. There's the getting slapped in the the meaningful ballad that's really, really boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. Pandy and BB both, like, Pandy yeah. starts it, BB joins in, and it's all about, I've woken up to who I truly am, and I'm looking for my real life. Yep. Yep. Whatever. Yep. That and happened. so BB goes to the old apartment, talks yep. to the landlady. Oh, he's not here. He just left this morning. And, and so BB starts to leave dejected. And then... Professor Sprout calls and says, oh, hey, but kid. I heard that he's hanging out under the bridge with all those old bums. <laughs> so wait, he just left this morning and she's already heard that he's hanging out under the bridge. Who did she hear it from? Probably I mean, Alfie. I'm going right, to go as, live under the bridge with the bums. Yes, as Pat said <laughs> yes, earlier. Because she literally heard it. She just didn't say that it was from Alfie. Yes. He he just told me, I'm going to go live under the bridge with the bums. Meanwhile, this is at the point where you can see that BB is carrying around a suitcase that is made of clear plastic. Yes. With awesome clothes inside. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, who thought that was a good idea? (laughs) Hey, kid, now that you've run away from being a rich rock star... Go live under the bridge with the homeless people because that's the good life. With Here's my lamb clothes. Here's my thing. The police state has infiltrated every element of American life. And that means that you now have to have suitcases that are transparent. Oh. Because you have no secrets. Fascinating. You get very good. I get a no prize. I, that's giving that's giving <laughs> I think that's giving the film way too much credit, but I love the concept. I like you're brilliant, Pat. Uh, I, I just think like the making the Reichstag transparent. <laughs> so, so then she does find the the old dude under the bridge again. The not Peter Ustinov. Josh Ackland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Ackland. He's not Peter Ustinov to me. <laughs> oh, and we're so, in here, so, so she, and she goes in. She's like, "Oh my God, it's like prehistoric times." Yes, isn't it though? Well, they're happy with it. Why? Exactly. And they are all remarkably bathed for yeah. living just, in a fucking And cave. they're just fucking sitting around doing apparently well, nothing. They have well, no they infrastructure. Care, they don't really care about TV. Yeah, but do they care about, I don't know, food and sanitation? What the actual hell? They have bachelor quarters. Yeah. And then that's the then there's the hippie child of love song. Yep. 
Which well, they start, and then suddenly it's apparently three years later, because now they have a toddler. Yeah, because that is a sucky montage. Yeah. Like, that was a failure of a montage. Yeah, it's just they just magically get transported to the park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, a terrible montage. Later yep. dialogue says that they've been there for about a year. Over a year. Over yeah. a year. It doesn't say about it. It says um, over. Okay. That child. So no. to take that literally yeah. right. true, it could be anything from that. That could mean that it's their child. Mm-hmm. Or it could mean that they're raised communally. Yeah. That they have a child that... Is, and they've just taken on raising this yeah. child. We don't know for The sure, only I thing suppose. we know is that it was long enough for him to grow a beard. Yes. Which yep. is quite fetching on him, I think. I think he looks yeah. quite he good. He does look it, better with, with a beard. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and then, you know, so then the stormtrooper <laughs> BIM police show up. Mm-hmm. The hippies are being rounded up. Oh, wait. Did we all notice the one BIM cop? Who's holding yep. his shield upside down? Yep. Yeah. How <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> He'll God. be purged. I, I feel like he got hazed later that afternoon. Yeah, but they didn't Oof. have enough money to film it again. <laughs> I wasn't talking. I'm not talking about the filming. I'm talking about oh. in the world of. Because, of course, everything is being recorded because it's a police True. state. So mm. they go back and they rewatch the footage and they're like, you, you, Harold. Your fucking shield, man. You killed it. <laughs> you killed the mood with your goddamn shield. You made us look all look like assholes. And God then God it. came down and we failed. <laughs> looked like chumps in front of God. Yeah. Because of you, Harold. <laughs> because yep. of you, Harold, because you couldn't hold your goddamn shield correctly. Because, dear listeners, oh, God arrives in this scene. Oh, spoilers, Melissa. Mist- oh, oh, fuck you, Pat. <laughs> He's not God. He's Mr. Tops. Mr. Tops. And what I love is that out of fucking literally nowhere. So the cops are rounding them up and Alfie starts looking around and BB's like, what are you looking for? Him, he's, he's got to show up. Who? He's coming, Mr. Mr. Tops. Tops. Who? Yeah. I know he's going to show up and you're just, you are sitting there in the audience going, what? what? Yep. <laughs> this is the first you've heard of any of this shit. Yep. Then the flying ghost car appears in the sky. Yep. Ghost Cadillac or yep. whatever uh, it is. Uh, Rolls Royce, I believe. Oh. Gold Rolls, yeah. Yep. yep. And it's all like see through in the sky and then mm-hmm. um, space Frank Sinatra. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he just uh, glows himself into place and all the cops are like, huh, we see this shit every day. <laughs> and so uh, he, they call me Mr. Tops. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Tops and Mr. Bogolo have a short conversation, and it's like, "Are you going to find a new planet? <laughs> maybe Are you one... going to find your new planet? Yeah, maybe one without you. That is not possible. <laughs> Whatever his accent is, because I kind of get it's he's Slavic. It's Polish. It's Slavic, but he does a decent French, like it's somewhere. So he's just sort of mm-hmm. European. Yeah, because mm-hmm. well, it's because Vladik. Vladik speaks like eight languages. Of course he does, because those because pe- oh, those people are awesome. Yeah, right. We, we saw him. Those people. <laughs> I know, we right? saw that him horrible. speak fluent French like, and Those German. people. You Alfie. mean the Polish resistance? Yeah. <laughs> Mister Tops is Alfie. Bibi, come with me. Matter of fact, all of you hippies, come with me. Come with me. Mr. And Pandy and Mister Bugalo. Where are you going? Someplace else. I will be there. No, I'm going to try it without you. That won't work. We're going to see if it does. Done. And then Pandy starts oh. walking forward, and Dandy's like, Where are you going? And my response is, Fuck you. I'm walking these hooker boots to heaven, asshole. <laughs> I know because there's this nonsense earlier where Pandy uh, let Bibi go mm-hmm. uh, and she ushered her out and she said, No, no, it's too late for me. And then she got slapped by Shake uh-huh. and then yeah. had her 
song. There was apparently a song there. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, So this is another sort of bit of nonsense where, oh, this woman is too damaged to be saved or whatever. But, you know, her, as long as God comes down. She's had too many dicks in her. So she's right. used goods too and many therefore dicks. never going to be redeemed. Sorry, Pandy. Too many dicks. Wendy, I'm glad you understand how the world works. <laughs> Having said that, if God comes down in a ghost Cadillac, then you can be saved. Then suddenly... Even Pandy. It doesn't matter, right? Even that slut whore Pandy. I know. My girlfriend, I, Pandy. I, I, I want to point out that I was talking to By a By the cult. way, Pat, mm-hmm. good taste. Pandy is hot. Pandy yeah. is great. Yeah. Um. So uh, today at work... So I, I told one of my a couple of my coworkers about this film and how amazing it is and that I was going to be recording this podcast and one of them was she was pushing really hard trying to convince me that I needed to try and record this whole podcast with you guys pretending like I thought it was the one of the best films ever made and I'm like I am not a good enough actor for that (laughs) I cannot pull that off I'm sorry you're no Stephen Colbert that's right well it's a masterpiece of sorts it is is. intentionally no it's it's it is amazing it is so entertaining and engaging in just the right you know blend of bad i think it's i mean i literally think it is literally literally (laughs) literally think it's one of the most entertaining and funny bad movies ever made yeah i mean and like i mean like rocky horror is up there and uh, you know having the cult following i actually think this is better than rocky i think it's it it is definitely i enjoy it more for sure rocky horror is a lot more boring especially without people doing the audience stuff Yeah. yeah You know? This movie, this movie really is sort of one of it's an apex predator of <laughs> bad movies. Yes, it really like, is. Like it's so fucking entertaining. You are never bored. You are never bored watching it. And even when it gets crazy pants, it's still enjoyable. Not like oh god, I'm having to sit through this, but just like I don't know why you would do that. Okay. That yeah yeah it's just it's crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I want to backtrack to one weird little point I want to ask Wendy about. In the show business number in that lobby. Yeah. And talking about the choreography, like, I, that is the sequence that I think does have a lot of good and interesting choreography. Yes. Especially, and I'm going to have a really hard time describing this verbally, but there's there's a move that a, a, a handful of people do that's relatively subtle where they're kind of turning partial sideways and back forward with their toes raising and tipping to the side you know and Um, they're bending their knees slightly and i love that move i think it's really (laughs) clever and i'm sure they didn't make it up but it's like that's a point where i'm like that's something really interesting interesting on a visual level because it's not this wacky over the top move um i am nodding my head at you because that is one of the truly genuine moments of that's good stuff that is also the moment of oh look fossey meets square dancing because the other stuff is square (laughs) dancing and that's fossey that is actually a classic fossey smotch happening that move smotch 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 is the term that fossey used yes okay okay um where you would have a small group of people moving in unison it 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 wasn't a truly classic not the exact move not the exact move being fossey per se but that style of having a little group do something like that yeah moving in unison in that sort of a way it's not i should say it's not a true classic smotch because it doesn't have uh the chaos built in that um uh like a great fossey smotch like a and uh, a truly literal one comes in 
uh, Sweet Charity in the middle of the big mm. spender number when they're all gathered into a tight clump and they're just sort of shuffling sideways and random shit's happening. That's mm. a true smotch. This is, but this is very smotchy <laughs> in that it's a small. <laughs> it's very smotchy. <laughs> I know. It's this small group moving, doing very Fosse esque moves because it's very small and it's very controlled and it works really well on screen. No, I love that moment. I think I actually like that whole sequence a lot because for when you in much the same way like in broadway rhythm in singing in the rain when you actually look at what the chorus is doing instead of looking at the big picture you're like that's some bullshit movement going on who does that that's awful Mm. but it looks good on screen when a large group does it okay and that is what that whole number does well is what they're actually doing isn't hard. It's not complex and it's actually kind of ridiculous when you look at it. But when you put a whole huge group of them doing it on, on a big screen together, it looks good. Hmm. It's actually decent film choreography. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the smotchy moment, which is super great. (laughs) (laughs) You got me being pedantic about smotches. Awesome. Yay, pedantic. I've learned something tonight. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. (laughs) All right, we should wrap this shit up. I I do have a little bit of additional information about the film Hmm. to wrap up um, how it was received. (laughs) (laughs) Very well, I'm sure. The records? records? Oh, God. Are you going to talk about the records? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. There, there, There were some, like, this, this film was received so horribly you know first of all um when it played at the montreal film festival in 1980 um the audience started booing halfway through the movie and menachem golan actually went upstairs to try to commit suicide and somebody (gasps) stopped him it it was it was that bad that's awful um he was fine he was fine fine. thank god because we wouldn't have gotten masters of the universe that's right that's right but uh at the paramount theater in hollywood where the premiere was um, people were given the, uh, the the soundtrack records of the soundtrack records LPs of the soundtrack yep. LPs of the soundtrack and then as the film played they started throwing them at the screen and oh, and did damage did damage to the screen like there were a couple of records like embedded in the screen oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, there are very few of those records around today just because very few of them survived. <laughs> People broke them in Hulk um, rage. Another, uh, uh, just a couple of other random things about the movie. Uh, I don't think we ever mentioned, but Catherine Mary Stewart, who plays BB, um, was, of course, you know, the the it girl of much of the early 80s because she was in The Last Starfighter and Night of the Comet and Weekend at Bernie's and also this bizarre movie with Adam Ant called uh, World Gone Wild, which mm. is another bonkers, terrible movie. But another thing, um, George Gilmore, who played opposite her as Alfie, vanished. Huh. Like, nobody knows where he is. Oh, wow. They tried oh. to find him for the uh, documentary about canon films, and, like, nobody knows where this guy went oh, at all. Wow. Yeah. He just, he's like, th- this was his, he did this film and gone. Man, yeah, that's I, he's not any worse than the film. Yeah, you know? I mean, <laughs> maybe he did actually go live under a bridge. Oh, yeah, <laughs> reach could out be, to us. Could be. Reach out to us, Elf. Yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Uh, George Gilmore, if you're out there, we love you. We Please actually love you. I think, dude, <laughs> dude, you delivered the goods. You did. You did. Mm-hmm. 
All right, um, Melissa, take us home. So, dear listeners, this was a whole episode about our love of the apple, and we've been recording for like an hour and 45 minutes, and we've been actually on point. Wow, we've had a lot to say about this movie. Have fun editing, Melissa. (laughs) I'm just going to let this shit roll, man. That'll be awesome. It's going to be our 100th episode. You fuckers can deal with how long it is. That's right. Good point. This is extra gold. So, 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 dear listeners, hopefully, uh, if you already love the apple, this has engorged your love of the apple. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> my, my love is turgid now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bravo for turgid. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have oh, not my. seen the apple, good lord, please do. Turgid <laughs> apples. <laughs> Turgid Apples uh, is the name of some sort of heavy metal Icelandic band, right? We're all in agreement probably, there, right? Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah, we're There's good an Icelandic that. heavy metal band called Turgid Apples. <laughs> <laughs> Turgid Apples. Voodoo Apple. <laughs> oh, man. So it's about time for recommendations. So, Eric, you said you had one. I do have a recommendation. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Get yourself a shower brush. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. No, wait. Let me explain. Okay, Let me explain. Whoa, you are judging okay, me. Okay, I am feeling okay. judged by no, 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 no. your assumption. I need no, a There's no judgment in that. Let me explain. He's sitting next to me. I'm, wow. No, no, no. So let me, let me explain though. Because, okay, I have to explain. Like the last, when I was on before, I, one of my recommendations was arugula. Yes. Just because I love arugula. Yes. And it, and, I and, like saying that. Arugula. arugula. Exactly. <laughs> And 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 I, my recollection is that Wendy was particularly amused at this sort of like everyday nature of that. Yes. And 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 what crossed my mind uh, months later was if I'm ever on again, I had another thing that is just sort of an everyday thing that I really like, which is is I did not grow like you know how you like your family culture dictates certain things, right? That you think are the norm. In when I grew up seeing TV and movies with people like being woken up in the middle of the night, always pulling on a bathrobe. I'm like, that must be like an old thing. Cause people don't do that anymore because mm-hmm. my parents didn't do bathrobes, but a lot of people do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Similarly, I did not grow up with anybody using a shower brush. It just okay. wasn't a thing. Right. So the first time that I was at, well into adulthood and at my brother's place and and was going to take a shower and he had this shower brush and I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to use it with soap. So I don't think I'm doing anything inappropriate, just scrubbing my back. And it was like, you give yourself this amazing back scratch to wrap up your shower. (laughs) And it's just this, it's this like simple, (laughs) pure little moment of joy and pleasure. Every time when I shower, that I enjoy so much as like this weird everyday little thing. <laughs> it is. And I and I so a few months ago I thought of that and I'm like, God damn it! Next time I'm on Xanadu, that's what I'm going to bring up. <laughs> you you can recommend your websites and your books and your movies, whatever. Get a shower brush <laughs> if you don't have one already. You can thank me later. <laughs> Who's next? I'll thank you now. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. <laughs> God damn it. 
I just I just accidentally yanked out there. Here we go. Okay. Uh, there we can hear again. Oh God. We can hear Wendy again. I should say. Oh, oh, God. Uh, oh, oh, anyone else? All right. Um, I've got one. Oh, oh Wendy's okay. got one. Wendy's got one. Okay. My recommendation this week is I don't know if you know this, but Benedict Cumberbatch cannot say the word penguins. and there apparently how this was discovered is he was hired to um narrate a nature documentary about penguins and wow he says it it, like penguin 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 no no, he says it a variety of ways as he's trying to figure out how to pronounce it and so i found a youtube that YouTube clip, which I have forwarded to Melissa, that uh, shows you all the different ways that the poor man tries to figure out how to say penguin. And this will lead you down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos of Benedict Cumberbatch talking about how he can't say penguin and trying to learn how to say penguin. Well, and, and just on a side note about him and vocal work in general, I'm assuming all of you have seen the clip of him impersonating Alan Rickman. No, yes. I haven't seen that. One. Oh my god, his voice is spot on. It's oh so god. good. Yes, we will we will look it up after we stop recording and you will post this. Oh, I will. Because it's oh, so good. Yeah, oh, yes. that's so, one of the rabbit yeah. holes you can fall down. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh side note listeners, uh, a dear friend of the podcast uh, Christopher Robert Cargill has now been publicly announced as being a writer for the Marvel Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. One of the more delightful things that we got to witness. <laughs> At Butnumathon. Is um, Benedict Cumberbatch impersonating Cargill. It, and he, it, it was amazing. He did it really well. Yeah. Was he there or was this footage of him this doing it? It was footage, footage okay. that was, was sent footage. as a special greeting sure, of sure. Um, Benedict Cumberda- Cumberbatch. Cumberdash. 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 Cumberdashing. Impersonating Cargill, auditioning for Doctor Strange. It was very good. <laughs> yeah, it also, was Cargill has informed me that Benedict Cumberbatch, who has to do an American accent for Doctor Strange. Oh. And so he has a, sure. a dialect coach there on the set with him. Okay. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch couldn't say sorcerer. <laughs> oh. Wow. He, he couldn't. Every time he said it, it ended up British. And it was throwing uh, him, and like so, he kept saying, "Can we just not use the word sorcerer?" No, you're the sorcerer supreme. <laughs> Which is the answer is like, "I'm sorry, you kind of have to say this word." <laughs> and so Cargill was Cargill, of course, tells excellent stories, and he was telling me the story of he helped the the diction coach figure it out. So the diction coach is like, really, can we figure out some other way? Because he, he has trouble with this and he can't get it. And Cargill's like, no, he's the Sorcerer Supreme and you need to learn that uh, he, I mean, this is a man who is a sorcerer and blah, 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 and sorcerer. And so he's got to be able to say sorcerer. And I want you to notice right now that never in this entire paragraph that I've said to you have I said the word sorcerer. <laughs> and the dialect coach went, Oh my God. It's like, listen to how an American says it. It's sorcerer. It's two syllables. And she went, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can fix this. And she went back to Benedict and Benedict doesn't have a problem with the word anymore. (laughs) Because Americans make it a two syllable word. There's your story for today. (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch has problems with words. I find that delightful. (laughs) So, Pat, do you have a recommendation? 
Well, I, I, I do. I, I was not prepared to bring a recommendation, so I, I guess I'll expose some of my weird little, like, this is what I've been all about. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that is awesome. Episode. That is exactly yeah. what we need. All right, Please so, uh, expose yourself, Pat. I uh, well, He's er- been here naked as, the whole time, Wendy. As Eric knows. Yeah. Um, I can see it. I don't know about Melissa. So let's talk about... It's remarkable, Wendy. Um, any of you guys know the Rex Stout novels about Nero Wolf and Archie Goodwin? No. These, okay, so these have sort of dropped through the, uh, you know, the black hole of 20th century fiction or whatever. But for a long time, Rex Stout was one of the most popular... Uh, writers in America. He wrote from the uh, 1930s through the 1970s. Mystery writers do this, like Agatha Christie, of course, uh, wrote for many decades. But Nero Wolfe was one of the most famous American detectives. He's a big, fat guy, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't like to leave his apartment or even behind his desk at uh, West 35th Street uh, on the Upper West Side of New York. But he's got his guy, Archie Goodwin. Archie Goodwin, yeah, he's he's a kind of Philip Marlowe guy. He goes out and he does the thing. I'm I'm, I'm snapping because that's the kind of thing that that, that <laughs> one does, that right? Does. It's snappy, got it snappy. Um, um, and Nero Wolf, he likes to go up and deal with his orchids, and his orchids are the things that he likes. But he he's a he's a brilliant private investigator, and he takes on these cases uh, to <laughs> enable his lifestyle. And he wow. eats well, and he does all these wonderful meals. And there was even a Nero Wolf cookbook wow. produced wow. At, at one point. Um, so this all sounds a little bit uh, kind of fussy or whatever like that. But <laughs> these are, and I'm not joshing you here, these are some of the best mystery novels ever written. Wow. They okay. are. Uh, first, they do, uh, they do one thing very well. They merge the two strands of detective fiction from the early part of the 20th century. You have the brain, the Hercule Poirot brain, Mm -hmm. or the Sherlock Holmes, which is just Nero Wolfe. I sit here, I don't do anything, and I just think things through. And then you have the Philip Philip Marlowe or uh, Sam Spade type character in Archie Goodwin, who goes out there and he punches people and, you know, he drags people back to the police station, that sort of thing. I'm going to rough you up and you're going to tell me. Exactly. It's perfectly. But... The the best thing about it is that Rex Stout is one of the best prose stylists I have ever read. He's absolutely perfect. He he wrote about forty Nero Wolf books. I haven't read nearly all of them. I've I've, I've read from the thirties up through the early nineteen uh, fifties, and they are hilarious. They are beautifully constructed. P.G. Woodhouse was a big fan. Wow. Of, uh, they corresponded, of course. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of similarities between the Jeeves and Worcester books and the Archie and Nero Wolf books. Mm. Okay. These are absolutely pure joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I cannot recommend them highly enough. Uh, of course, you sometimes the mysteries are a little bit, Neh, okay, whatever. But the, the language of, uh, uh, of the narration itself is mm-hmm. beautiful. It's perfect. Um, Nero Wolf has been... Uh, kind of forgotten. So anybody, yep, go. They're out there. Read them. Nice. They're beautiful. Oh, oh also, there's a, a, an A&D TV series from the early uh, 2000s mm-hmm. that has Timothy Hutton as Archie and Mari Shaken as <laughs> Nero Wolf. And, of course, Mari Shaken's dead now, so they're not going to be doing any more of those. Uh, but... <laughs> 
Uh, I Was hope not. Hey, yeah. You've seen some of it? Is it's, it good? I have all of them. They are all great. Wow. They're all terrific. They, they have this interesting thing, too, because it's a, it's a repertory uh, company. So each individual episode, you might see the same actors playing different oh, roles. Wow. Uh, oh, fun. O- over and over again. Huh. It, it lasted two seasons, and, and then huh. it, it went away for whatever reason. And I could talk about this all night. But so <laughs> the books, the A&E series, these are great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. My highest recommendation. Awesome. Which is right. a high recommendation indeed, Mr. Harrigan. It is. <laughs> and finally, I have a recommendation. Mm-hmm. It's also a book. Uh, within the last six months, a book about the Satanic Panic has come out. Oh. Ah. Very interesting. Yes. It is an anthology book. Uh, each chapter is written by a different person who had some sort of involvement in the Satanic Panic of the early 1980s. Mm. Um, for example... Uh, my friend David Canfield wrote one of the chapters, and he's a guy who had lived 20 years within a uh, Jesus People commune in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, during his time there, he was actually part of a, a newspaper, and they actually were doing real hard journalism, and they were uh, working to take down one of the preachers who was going around saying that he used to be a Satanist and sacrificing human beings and all that. But, you know, after... He, you know, has seen the light of God and now was trying to, you know, kind of do his own Jesus cult, essentially. So there was a whole chap that was David's chapter was about their investigation of this guy. And that's just one of the examples. It's just this big, very nicely produced book about all of these incidents in the early 80s where people were scared that all the youth of America Mm -hmm. were being taken over by Satan. When you say Jesus people, do you specifically mean like there was the Jesus people church in Minneapolis? Or did you mean that more as a generic term? No, I I mean, there was a literal, the the actual Jesus people movement. Right. Okay. That just double checking if it was connected to that. Capital letters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It was, it was a thing. What's the name of the book then? Satanic Panic. Satanic Panic. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link to it. Okay. I'll link to Mm -hmm. it in the show Very cool. I'll actually, I've got a copy of it and I'll show it to you later. So yeah, Yeah. that's, that's about it. So, um, Crazy Apple. Crazy Apple. Voodoo Apple. Voodoo Apple. Voodoo Apple. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, dear listeners, for joining us for our 100th episode. Yay! And uh, I have been Melissa and joined by... Wendy. Your, Wendy. I, I'm gesturing at the microphone as if you can see it, Wendy. So, <laughs> uh, Way to pick up on that, Wendy. Yeah. yeah. I'm right here. I'm Wendy. Okay. I'm the microphone. I am the microphone. <laughs> and we have been joined by our super special guest stars, Eric. Hi. Thank and- you. And goodbye. <laughs> and Pat. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you. And Get off my world. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us for all this time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, good times, good times, y'all. Yeah. Take care, everybody. On a stately pleasure dome decree And in our podcast Pleasure Dome We'll talk about some movies It's that new cinema pleasure dome Alright, Melissa? Speed! No, not that one! (laughs) Speed!